0: I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3 PostMedia's Canadian Current Affairs Podcast. On this episode, the semi-truck driver charged in the deadly Humboldt Broncos bus crash made his first court appearance this week. We look at what happened in the courtroom and changes to one province's trucking laws that are directly tied to the tragedy. It's Thursday, July 12th. Jaskarat Singh Sidhu appeared in a Melfort Saskatchewan courtroom on Tuesday charged with multiple counts of dangerous driving causing death and dangerous driving causing bodily harm. Bree McAdam, a justice reporter for the Saskatoon Star Phoenix was in the courtroom in Melfort and she joins me now. So Bree, what can you tell me about what happened in court on Tuesday?
1: Um, well, maybe I'll start by just kind of describing the uh, the kind of courtroom in which this took place, because I know a lot of people were quite curious as to how something of such magnitude, a court case of such magnitude, could be taking place in such a small, um, you know, rural municipality. Mm-hmm. So this was a one-room courthouse within a bigger government services building, and there was some concern about, uh, you know, room. So they had actually opened up the Queen's Bench Courthouse in case any members of the public uh, wanted to to uh, watch the proceeding. And uh, the courtroom was kind of more um, uh, saved for media and uh, family members. But it was kind of surprising, actually, how few people were there. Um, There were a handful of members from uh, the community, whether they were from Humboldt or surrounding areas, kind of tough to tell. And then mostly members of the media were there. Um, There were two uh, fathers of Uh, the crash victims. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of the noteworthy part. Um, And one of them was Scott Thomas. His son, Evan, was killed in the crash on April 6th. Um, So he kind of told us too that he was initially hesitant to come to court, but decided he wanted to represent the families who couldn't be there and to show his face and let Sadu know that he was there in court.
0: Was there uh, any more detail read out in court? Were the charges read out in court? Uh, Do we get any more understanding of the 29 charges that he's facing?
1: The charges were not read out in court, um, but we do know that he's charged with 16 counts of dangerous driving causing death and 13 counts of dangerous driving causing bodily harm. Um, What was most noteworthy about yesterday's appearance is that uh, Sadhu was released. Now, it's quite important to um, clarify that there was not a bail hearing, so he didn't make bail. The Crown consented to his release, and I think it's safe to assume that the reasons for that, even though they weren't outlined in court because these discussions take place, Behind closed doors, um, is that you know for the three months between the crash and um, the time when charges were laid, which was last Friday, uh, he hasn't fled. Um, so there's probably an assumption that under strict conditions he should be eligible to be released. That was obviously what the lawyers decided. So mm-hmm. it was on a thousand dollars bail um, and numerous conditions. And I think the the big ones are that he's not allowed to drive while he's out on release, and he has to give up his passport.
0: Okay. Um, did he have any supporters in court?
1: Not that I could tell. Okay, Um, And not that, you know, there was nobody speaking on his behalf
0: outside of court. All right. Now, what was the reaction of the family members of the victims of the crash?
1: In court, everybody was very professional. The judge uh, started out by saying, you you know, acknowledging that this was, uh, that there could be some emotions, but just to have, uh, you know, um, just to act accordingly and... I think uh, both the fathers, Scott Thomas and Miles Shemlansky, uh were very, prof- you know, um, professional and uh, quiet. And um, the one father, Miles, chose not to speak with media mm-hmm. afterwards. And Scott, uh, you know, expressed his uh, emotions outside of the courtroom, and just, you know, he seemed very somber. And he um, just said it was important for him to be there just in case he doesn't get an- another opportunity. But um, even his kind of reaction was brief. I think we heard from another father who wasn't there, but uh, one of my colleagues had spoken with him, um, and he said that he wasn't particularly surprised that uh, Sadu was released, um, and that they're just hoping that, uh, you know, the court process will will go smoothly it and how it should go.
0: Okay. Now, what factors normally play into the Crown deciding to lay charges of this nature when you're looking at a crash?
1: So... There kind of are a few types of charges that you can lay when there's a fatal crash. Uh, Mm We sometimes hear of criminal negligence charges, uh, careless driving, the dangerous driving charge uh, has kind of some certain um, specifics to it. So uh, it requires proof that a driver drove with quote, reckless disregard for public safety. And that actually comes from the criminal code. Um, And police will consider all types of things when it comes to this, such as road conditions at the time, the amount of traffic. And uh, it's important because the threshold or standard of proof is that sedu's driving actions need to show a marked departure from what most drivers would do in a similar situation. And because hmm. we don't know the narrative of the story just yet, it's really hard to speculate how difficult that will be. But that that is what a dangerous driving charge uh, kind of
0: requires. Okay. And if he's convicted, what kind of penalties could he face here?
1: The maximum uh, sentence for dangerous driving causing bodily harm is 10 years, and the maximum sentence for dangerous driving causing uh, death is 14 years. Wow. Um, from my perspective in, in the courtroom, I can say that it's very unlikely if he's found guilty or if he pleads guilty that he would get 14 years for all 16 deaths, mm-hmm. because the courts typically see that as unduly harsh. So they, uh, they enact something called the totality principle, and that creates more of a global sentence that is kind of appropriate to both the offense that was committed and, and the um, you know, the treat the proper treatment of an offender.
0: Okay. Now Tuesday was his first court appearance. Uh, where does, what are the next steps here? Where do we go now?
1: His next appearance is next month. So it's August 21st and the defense indicated yesterday that they are still waiting on some disclosure, which is basically any of the crown's evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, After that, it's really hard to say. I mean, there will be a lot of discussions on how to proceed, and that will depend on how Sidhu pleads. Um, I think a lot of people might wonder right now how this could possibly go to trial, as there doesn't appear to be any disputing that he was the driver of the vehicle. But the question is, you know, was he driving dangerously at the time of the accident? So it'll be it'll very much hinge on the criminal code charge itself, um, uh, whether or not they'll decide to take this to trial or not.
0: It's easy to see this carrying over into 2019, though. I don't imagine there could be a resolution by the end of the year, or could, could a guilty plea, if they decide to go that way, come sooner rather than later?
1: Yeah, a guilty plea can be entered as quickly as as the council decides it should be. There's a lot of high-profile cases that take place um, here in Saskatchewan and probably beyond that uh get dealt with a lot mm-hmm. quicker than we see most cases. And that sometimes does have to do with public interest. I, I think we do have to realize that public interest plays a, a large role in this case. It will play a large role in this case in a lot of the decisions that are made, whether it's conscious or not.
0: Okay. Now, lastly, alongside the criminal prosecution, there has been a lawsuit filed in Saskatchewan by the parents of one of the players killed. What can you tell me about that?
1: I mentioned this uh, this man a little bit earlier when I was talking about reactions to the court appearance, and his name is Russell Harold.
0: Mm-hmm. His son,
1: Adam, was one of the the uh, 16 victims in the crash. And yeah, his uh, him and his wife actually filed a lawsuit in Regina Court of Queen's bench um, this week against Sadu, um, also against the company he worked for and the manufacturer of the Humboldt Broncos team bus. Um, they allege that Sadu, and this is a quote from the statement of claim, was not sufficiently skilled or trained to operate the and that he intention- intentionally, recklessly, and or negligently drove through the intersection without regard for the lights and the stop sign, which has been quite central in the in the story of this crash. So I, I think what they're seeking is an unspecified amount in damages um, as well as expenses, costs, and interest.
0: Okay. Now, back to the courtroom on Tuesday. What was uh, Sidhu like in court? Was Did he appear uh nervous or withdrawn or anything like that
1: yeah he so he appeared behind like a prisoner's box glass which is you know kind of what we see typically in courtrooms or on tv and he he seemed distraught but in kind of a subtle way that he did a lot of he he had concern on his face. His he would often knit his brows together. He closed his eyes um, at times when they were discussing his release conditions, and it kind of gave me the compre- the impression that this was all maybe just becoming a bit too much for him. But he re- he didn't say anything. Um, he agreed. He was agreeable to everything that uh, the crown and the uh, judge ultimately laid out. Um, he was wearing just a simple kind of black t-shirt and track pants and when he left the courtroom he just kind of went straight into an unmarked black SUV and left so it was it was quiet and quick but he definitely showed signs of just um, kind of quiet distress I guess would be the best way to explain it.
0: Did he look or uh, show any body language toward uh, the family of the the two fathers who were in court?
1: You know I would doubt if he even if he even knew who they were out of the crowd of people, he seemed very concerned about uh, just what was being said to him. He uh, he kind of just looked straight ahead the entire time. I don't think he really ever swiveled his head, so I'm not sure if he was even aware of who was in the courtroom. To be honest.
0: Okay, well, Bree, thanks very much. Thank you. This is Dave Breakenridge, host of Ten Three Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. The name represents Canada's 10 provinces and three territories, and each episode takes a deeper look at one of the biggest stories in the country. Our show is powered by the work of journalists and newsrooms across Canada, so be sure to support your local paper. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can get me on Twitter, Breakinridge, Y-E-G, or debrakenridge at postmedia.com On the day at Singh Sidhu made his first court appearance, Alberta's transportation minister announced changes to that province's trucking laws, citing the Humboldt Broncos crash as one of the reasons. Ryan Rumboldt is a reporter for the Calgary Herald and Sun, so Ryan, what did Alberta's Brian Mason announce on Tuesday?
2: Well, there's actually a couple things uh, that are going to be coming down the pipe as far as changes to how the transportation and trucking industry in Alberta gets rolling. So uh, the biggest one will be the introduction of what's called a MELT program, and that stands for Mandatory Entry Level Training. Uh, So what that's going to involve will be a set number of parameters, uh, including everything from in-class training hours to uh, hours behind the wheel of a big rig. Um, And these are requirements that will have to be met before someone is even able to go into a registry and uh, attempt to to take their their driving test. Uh, Right now, uh, Ontario is the only province that has a program like this in place. It's been in place uh, since about this time last year. Um, A couple other big notable changes uh, are the removal of uh, what's called a temporary safety certificate. Uh, So currently in Alberta, when uh, a new carrier or trucking company um, decides to, to, to incorporate, uh, they can get what's called this temporary certificate, which gives them uh, essentially two months to get all of their safety requirements uh, up to snuff uh, before, before they have to produce uh, any, any evidence on that. Uh, so that's going to be changing. Uh, Alberta is also the only province that has a program like that in place. Uh, the last big change uh, will come in the way of how row tests are actually done mm-hmm. uh, and how registries go through with that uh, there was a review back in 2016 of uh, how the row tests are done here in Alberta and so there's going to be big changes there everything from standardized fees to uh, to more standardized uh, testing requirements as well so there was a lot of issues found in the registries and how those tests were being done themselves so these three big changes are uh, are looking to really you know fill these gaps in and how safety has been done and as far as carriers and trucking in Alberta.
0: Okay. And for those who don't know the the company involved in the, whose truck was involved in the crash and the driver of the truck uh, are both from Calgary. Uh, What did uh, Mason say, if anything, about the Humboldt Broncos crash? Well, he didn't touch
2: on it too much, and there's a a legal reason for that, uh, Mm -hmm. mainly because there's still an investigation going on uh, on Alberta transportation side of things. Um, uh, That investigation has been going since, uh, you know, the moment uh, this crash um, happened, and that's standard practice. So uh, the company is still under a suspension. Uh, as far as the driver goes, there wasn't a lot Mason could say just because these matters are still still before the court. So he couldn't really reveal any details of what uh, their investigation has found. But we do know that uh, Alberta Transportation has sent a report to the RCMP back in April, and they've been working closely together on the investigation side.
0: Okay, but he did, he did mention the crash as one of the reasons behind these changes?
2: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean, he um, uh, there is there is record that uh, the province has been working on these changes for for about a year. Uh, they were looking into okay. it around the same time that uh, Ontario put these into effect. But uh, Mason did say that uh, you know the the Humboldt crash was really the impetus to uh, to get this change done quickly. That's uh, his words, not mine. Uh, and also that uh, the crash, uh, which he described as tragic, which is completely fair, um, did really put this on the front burner uh, quote unquote for, for the ministry to, to get the ball rolling on this.
0: Okay. And so you say the the company has been suspended from operating, uh, since this crash happened while, while the investigation is ongoing through Alberta transportation. Um, what else has happened with the company uh, since the crash?
2: Well, a couple interesting developments, actually. Uh, one is that uh, the owner uh, of Odeshtiol Trucking Limited, a man by the name of Sukhminder Singh, um, has actually uh, started, or I should say restarted, a company uh, which he had going uh, back as far as we can tell as far as 2015. It, it is an interesting development because uh, under Alberta transportation regulations, uh, Singh is not allowed to be the shareholder, owner, of, or director of any trucking company uh, while his company Adeshtiol, uh, is under suspension so uh, as far as we can tell uh, he started or restarted as I mentioned uh, this company about a week or two after the uh, the actual Humboldt crash on April 6th um, but uh, the interesting thing there is uh, all, all reports have indicated that he was looking for someone to be the owner of his new company or new old company uh, where he could then facilitate as a driver which according to Alberta Transportation would be just fine uh, as long as as he's not the owner, director, or shareholder. So um, this is a bit of a trend of what Mason has called chameleon carriers. This is where when a carrier gets suspended, um, uh, they'll Start a new one under a different name uh, and and a different owner, and then be able to operate because they have these 60-day certificates and because it's someone else who owns the company. This has been a big big thing uh, for transportation to try to get a hold of uh, and to get a, a control of. Uh, in the light of Humboldt, um, now we don't know much about uh, this uh, this new old company of uh, Sukmandar Singh's. Uh, only really, it's a numbered company, numbered one nine two nine two eight two limited. So Uh, very little information uh, available there. Uh, As far as Singh himself, uh, he's been working, uh, he tells me, as a uh, dump truck driver since the uh since the crash uh, which again is completely fine under alberta transportation regulations it may seem a little odd to to have him driving a truck but according to regulations that's that's all fine um so he he has uh, been been you know still active uh, in in the world of transportation in some some regards but uh, not as a, a commercial truck driver as far as we know
0: and what do we know about the driver who was involved in the crash
2: in april we don't know a whole lot about his personal life at this point, but uh, we have been able to get some information uh, on his professional uh, career as a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's currently facing, uh, at the biggest charges, of 16 counts of dangerous driving, causing death, uh, which can carry up to 14 years of a prison sentence. But uh, as far as his uh, record as a driver goes, uh, it is fairly clean, uh, apart from this. Um, the, he hasn't been working very long as a truck driver, which could be part of it there. Um, Sukman his uh, his employer former employer at this point has told us that uh, he was only employed with uh, Deschdield for about uh, about hmm. a month a month or two months uh, before the Humboldt crash and had been a licensed truck driver for about a year before that, so he does have some experience, uh, but as far as how much experience uh, and and whether or not uh, any of those training gaps, uh, you know, played into the crash, this is all this is all still uh, a part of the investigation. But uh, he does live reside here in Calgary. Uh, he was arrested in Calgary uh, last week uh, and then was uh, brought t- to Saskatchewan to uh, to face those charges and made that a court appearance yesterday. Uh, he has been released on a thousand dollars bail. And uh, some of the some of the restrictions there are that he does need to remain in Calgary at his residence here.
0: Back to the company for a second. How did we track down uh, the company that the driver was driving for after the crash back in April?
2: Well, it was actually a little bit of interesting teamwork uh, between our newsroom here in Calgary and uh, the folks with the uh, Saskatoon Star Phoenix uh, who were on the ground, uh, you know, moments after the crash there. Um, They actually came across the truck uh, in question, the actual collision truck uh, in a, a scrapyard. Uh, and uh, right there on the door um, of this beat-up truck was Adesh Deol Trucking Limited Calgary, Alberta, with a phone number. Um, we sort of did some reverse engineering uh, there, looking at uh, the, the company's uh, registered name and was able to track it down to uh, a an, an address, which is actually both the home uh, and office uh, of Adesh Deol and belongs to uh, Sukh Mandar Singh, the owner of that company. And uh, after, after a couple attempts uh, of speaking with the gentleman, um, he actually at first denied uh, that he was the owner of the company or had anything to do with it and then did uh, did tell me that, yes, he is in fact uh, the owner and that he was not the driver, but uh, that it was a driver with his company who was involved in the, uh, the crash on April 6th.
0: Did Brian Mason give any indication that he believed that if the regulations he announced were in place back in April that the crash wouldn't have happened? Or did he have any belief that this could prevent future tragedies. I would say it would be more on the
2: on the future tragedy side of things. Uh, you know, it, it is still up in the air, and it is still uh, part of the investigation and, and part of the court proceedings to find out exactly how much training uh, Jaskarat uh, Sadu had before before the April sixth crash. Uh, but Mason did acknowledge that uh, there have been uh, some gaps in Alberta's trucking industry mm-hmm. for for some time, and that these these changes are are really aimed at at not just getting the province on board. With where other provinces are, but really taking that next step forward, um, as mentioned before, Ontario is currently the only province uh, with this melt program in place. Uh, Saskatchewan uh, is is now getting on board as well. They actually made the announcement uh, directly following the crash that this was something they would be instituting. But uh, it's it's taken a little bit longer for uh, for Alberta to get uh, get on side with that as well. But uh, yeah, I mean Mason really did acknowledge that that the crash was was one of the the biggest reasons why they've moved so fast on this file now uh, and acknowledge that yes absolutely there are there are changes that uh, not just should be made but need to be made uh, in order to to get everyone uh, on the
0: same page as far as safety uh, in the province and safety's on the roads is pretty much what uh, we all ask for when we're out there driving the highways ryan uh, thanks very much for your time hey no problem thanks so much for having me on today here's what else is happening this week People in communities in Western Canada say they have been stranded after Greyhound announced it was cancelling passenger and parcel service west of Sudbury, Ontario. While a private carrier has said it will pick up a handful of routes in Western Ontario and Manitoba, Alberta Premier Rachel Notley says she'll be bringing the issue to a meeting with her counterparts in New Brunswick next week. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has announced a Canadian-led NATO mission in Iraq as tensions mount between U.S. President Donald Trump and his NATO colleagues at meetings in Latvia. The mission will see 250 Canadian troops posted to Baghdad to train Iraqi soldiers to help prevent a resurgence of terror groups like ISIS. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama and carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.